Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast for our Scares and Dares episode where we cover our favorite scare of the week and then provide the NFL bets we dare to make. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time and with me is my co-host for Scares and Dares, Senior Staff Writer, Joanne Kong. How are you doing? Good. <laughs> Hi, well, everyone. That was weak. That was a real weak intro there. Uh, Should have come in a little strong. Should have come in a little stronger, I think. Uh, and we have been seeing some uh, weak um, horror movies as of late. So. Yeah, I don't know if you would consider this horror movie our favorite horror movie of the week. Right, right. But but it is something uh, that I think is worth talking about. And um, for, I mean, particularly because of where it's from and the growing uh, horror cinema from the Philippines. So a little bit of a, a preview there for everybody, a little bit foreshadowing. But uh, that being said, it's been a little bit of a weak field. And there are some other ones that we do want to hit eventually, like um, Axe and Pearl, which we love. Um, but those have gotten a lot of coverage. So we're going to stay a, a little bit less in the mainstream <laughs> with this one, I would say. And of course, on the other end of this, football season's almost here. Preseason game two are already done, and things are rolling around. Yeah, it's uh, we're getting back to the to the fall. Oh, yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, that was a factual <laughs> statement. Thank you for that. We are certainly getting back to the fall. All right, anyway. <laughs> where, did, where did nine months, eight months go? I know, I, and the summer almost done. Well, that's good for news for us because, obviously, NFL football is just around the corner. And today, we'll be discussing our new Scare of the Week the 2013 movie from the Philippines, Tag Tag Nine Lives, and giving you the preseason AFC and NFC conference championship bets that we dare to make. So, with that said, let's get this rolling. All right, let's, as usual, start with our Scare of the Week, the 2013 movie from the Philippines, Tag Tag Nine Lives, directed by Frasco S. Mortiz. And written by Joel M. Mercado and Karen Yap. It was actually released back in December 25th of 2013. Has a runtime of one hour and 45 minutes. Uh, and this is an interesting one because I don't think um, I don't think it was in the mainstream at all. But it did gross 188.7 million Philippine pesos. <laughs> one of the highest grossing Filipino horror movies of all time. Uh, and one of the highest grossing Filipino movies of 2013. As a side note, for those of you who aren't up on your conversions, uh, that's about $3.3 million in the U.S. Oh, that's uh, a lot because they probably only spent like $100. All right, that's foreshadowing as well. <laughs> There's a little bit of foreshadowing coming up there. Um, but, yeah, but that, that's a lot of money for a Filipino movie in a Filipino box office. Um, that's not the highest one. Some of the highest ones are up around 800 million Filipino uh, pesos. Um, but uh, it's definitely impactful in many ways. So let me explain, first of all, uh, the name to everyone. Pag Pag actually refers to the traditional, uh, to a traditional Filipino superstition that you need to, quote, shake off dirt. It actually means shake off dirt by visiting someplace else after visiting a wake before going home to avoid having a ghost follow you, which, of course, result in bad ghost stuff happening to you. So uh, that's what Pag Pag refers to. I've also looked up on the internet. Pag Pag also refers to food that you recover from the garbage. That's not what we're talking about today. Um, although, I don't know, maybe, some, maybe there's some similarities. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, uh, let's start with a brief 
plot summary, and then we move on to our thoughts. Uh, the movie starts off with a common horror scene where an unrelated victim does something wrong along the lines of the rules of the movie and presumably dies from it. Uh, a good example of this type of opening pre-credit sequence is like Scream with Drew Barrymore. Uh, now, I have to say that the opening sequence here did not do the film any favors um, as we, as the special effects uh, were, were pretty bad and acting could be described, at least in the opening sequence, uh, in my opinion, at best as uh, disposable. So what do, you, what do you think here on this, this opening sequence? Before we get to the actual movie, what do you think about this opening sequence? Because obviously this is, has to draw the movie viewer in. Uh, what do you think of this? Uh, yeah, and I think I commented it after we saw the opening sequence. Yeah. And I was just like, what is going on here? Yeah. It was something that was done and not done like before. Right. And this time it just wasn't done well. Nope. I, partially, I think, because of the acting and maybe the setup as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a far crime, a uh, far cry from what Scream did with Drew Barrymore. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't draw you into the movie. It no. actually almost put us off from yeah, the movie. Yeah, I was like, what's <laughs> going on here? But that being said, uh, obviously, again, more foreshadowing, special effects, not the strong point of this movie. So let's turn now to the actual plot. There's some initial setup here uh, in, the, in the beginning of the movie with the uh, character Cedric, essentially some uh, punk rich kid, almost uh, running over Lenny who is an undertaker who's looking after her younger adopted brother, Mac Mac, and two semi-competent colleagues, Dencio and Marcello. And after that, quote, meet cute, Lenny and company go to help Lucy and her sister, Eva, with the funeral of Lucy's late husband, Roman. And by chance, Cedric and his friends, Hannah, Ashley, Rico, and Justin, almost run Lenny over again, but this time in front of Roman's funeral or, or wake, and then they run off the road and have a little bit of an accident. So Lucy asks them all to come in over Eva's protests, and each of them ends up breaking a superstition. Um, Marcelo sweeps the room during the wake. Hannah cries, and her tears drop on the coffin. Rico wipes the tear off the coffin of a handkerchief. Justin steals bread from the funeral. Ashley looks at her reflection in the mirror during the wake, and Cedric attends the funeral with a wound. I actually didn't catch that one until I went back and looked at it again, but that, that was actually the significance of the wound. Apparently, that is also a superstition. And Dencio steals money uh, below the coffin, and they all fail to do pag-pag, which, again, is visiting someplace else after the wake before going home to avoid being followed no, by some No, that's not true. Um, uh, the two people who work for the funeral home, they right. actually did go somewhere first. They stopped at the, at the convenience store to pick up some alcohol. Oh, that's true. That's true. Dencio, the, the, the I guess you're right, Dencio and Marcelo did. Yes. But, but because they live with um lenny and lenny did not then they all failed basically because once it gets back to their home resident i mean i guess that's that's the that's the story supposed to be so fair enough yeah. you, so to the defense of dencio and marcello they actually did yeah. stop playing sales because they wanted to get some booze yes um and they drank some there yep and then they brought some back yeah then they brought some back you you are correct but lenny did not do that, and they all lived together uh, for some reason. I don't know how they're related, but I think they just all live together. That because that's they live above the uh, the funeral home uh, that they work at. Oh right, right. And it, what I thought it was odd though, because they kept calling each other uncle in the translation, which I think is just a term of endearment. Yes, I I, <laughs> I think so too. Not actual uncle. Yes. Otherwise, everybody in the Philippines has a million uncles. Yes. One of the two. Anyway, so at home, uh, Marcel uh, is suddenly shockingly found, hung to death without explanation, and Mac Mac sees apparitions and draws nine figures with the number eight on a piece of paper. 
uh, Dencio then tells Lenny the story that he heard about how Roman and Lucy once had a son, Emmanuel, who died. And then Roman made a pact with the devil to bring back his son, but he had to kill nine people in order to do so. Uh, after committing the murders, he found his son alive inside the coffin, but suffered the consequences, having his house burned down, losing his son, and later dying from mysterious, con- uh, mysterious reasons. And I suspect everyone can guess generally where it might go from there, but I'll stop short of spoiling the film as there are a few twists along the way. So I'll stop there. And what do you think about this movie uh, at a high level? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting because while we were watching it, I I, I feel like it could have been something better. Right. Uh, maybe if they spent a little bit more money on production. Yep. Maybe different actors that could have done a better job. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they, I mean, they didn't have that many Filipino pesos. <laughs> they didn't I, have enough to pay for the special effects. I was, you know, there was, like we had said that it's not something new. Yeah. It's something that's been done before. There's and, some somewhat derivative. Yes, and, but like you know, the thing about like I think death and superstition and ritualist ritualism yeah. i think all that you know it, it's a good setup for sure. a horror movie absolutely right? it's a common but well-used trope that actually can be very effective very eff- if especially done right. if you don't know anything about these particular superstitions yes, exactly. so you know if you're not filipino and even if you are you might not Probably know, know of any of these superstitions absolutely. because in this movie the younger kids um uh, Cedric and his friends, right. they didn't know any of these superstitions until Eva told them about it. That's right. And so, like, you might not know of it. And I always find, like, you know, superstition very interesting. Yeah, it's sure. very interesting. Must have come from somewhere. Right. Right. And, you know, like, I just feel like, you know, the older generation, I mean, really, really older generation that lived in that time, right, they were very careful, right? Right, right. Because they didn't want to do something wrong. Right. You know? but, and today... Not so much. What? So it okay. has, I think it has so much potential in creating a good story. Well, I mean, the crazy thing, though, is that, like, everything was wrong, right? I mean, like, <laughs> I can't believe how many superstitions they have around wakes, like, specifically around wakes. It's like, it's like there's a ton of them. But I love that, though. I I love the fact that, you know, and and I agree, like, you know, crying into the casket. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not looking and then, at your reflection. I think that might be... And then wiping a, it off? I, I mean, think wiping that might off? be a common one. Like, it's like mirrors and ghosts. I think that might be a common well, one. Well, mirrors are used very frequently yeah. in Supernatural. That's for sure. So, I mean, and granted, we didn't check to see whether these superstitions are even all true, right? Well, I would, they could have been I would made assume up. they were built on some sort of actual Filipino superstition. They could have been. But, like, uh, but I'm saying, like, maybe they threw one or two in there. Because, like you said, like wiping off tears from a casket, yeah, right? Yeah. Because what was interesting is we didn't know is that they put a glass yeah. on top of the coffin. Right. Whereas in the U.S. In, during the wake. For the, the wake. For the wake. Yeah. Right? But in the U.S. It's open casket. It's open. Yeah. There is nothing separating, you know, the living from the deceased. That's true. That's true. And the, and the, and the glass made it very uh, interesting because certainly – I was wondering, like, if your tears hit the glass, is it really in the casket? I mean, right. it didn't really get there, did yeah. it? It's kind of sitting on top of the casket. I mean, some things make sense. Like, you know, you're not supposed to take anything from the wake home. Well, that, that's something that I think was a superstition created out of necessity, right? Because people tend to – stealing things from dead people has been something that the humanity has done for many years. So yeah. I can imagine that that was a superstition built out of necessity. And I got to say, like, it uh, – the the kid the young the kid that steals the bread. Uh, yes, right. I, I don't even understand that. Like, yeah. 
uh, Justin. Right. I'm not really sure what his deal is. Yes. I mean, he just dude, found like a, a, a like a basket or tray full but, of bread and just took one and put I, it in his pocket. I kind of feel like everybody had a superstition to break and they got the Justin's character and like, what did we have him do? It was like steal bread <laughs> from a wake? No, that's the last place I want to break a bread from. I don't, I'm sorry, but. And, you know, I really wish we looked this up, but why sweeping? Yeah, I, I don't know. Was, I don't know. That, that's uh, interesting. I'm not really sure. Was, was maybe this is something to do with the soul or something like that. I mean, the one that makes sense, obviously, the ones that make sense are stealing, right? Yeah. Anything that dealing with stealing. And mirrors, I feel, Mir- sense. Mirrors is just kind of like, everybody associates mirrors with, with, with supernatural. Sense. Yes. Uh, so that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh-huh. Crying on the coffin, I guess maybe it just seems like it's unbe- the unbecoming to have people like crying over the coffin. So maybe they made that as well. Well, um, I kind of feel, I kind of think that one I could agree with because yeah. although there was a glass barrier, yeah. like I don't think leaving, no, leaving any part of your DNA okay. on the, on the, on the body maybe the spirit could find you that way. Okay, kind of well, that, okay, from, from a know? supernatural perspective. Yes, from a supernatural I was thinking more like you're going to mess up his makeup if you cry on him. No, and but like he had glass on. He had glass over I, I know, well, yeah. I was thinking, if there was no glass, it yeah. makes a little more sense. Anyway, so, so d- taking that with a grain of salt, let's move on to the, to the, uh, the best thing, the thing you like the most and the thing you like the least about the movie. So the thing I like the most, I think, was the little boy's character, Mac Mac, and his drawing. Yeah, yeah. So, um... I'm not going to give it away, but, you know, he could kind of, he sees ghosts and he could kind of, I guess, foresee the future. But now I'm thinking maybe it was for another reason that he could foresee it. And I, or maybe and I don't was, want to say anything Or maybe it was it. the ghost. Maybe it was you the know? ghost trying to give him a hint because, you know. Well, or, you know, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, you know, when he was when he was drawing the number nine and then eight, you know. But then it did change by itself at one point. It did change by itself, so, right. But that had nothing to do with the ghost i think that was something else and I, i'm not i'm not gonna say anything more okay but I, I think like that was like this like the mac mac he didn't speak all he did was draw and he like his drawings were i think now that i i'm thinking about it mm-hmm. um maybe it weren't so much visions but memories mm-hmm. okay so I mean, yeah, I thought like this little kid, and I think all kids in horror movies Are kind of spooky. have, yes, a very kind of mysterious and, and eerie. And kind perhaps it's just because we've seen like three movies in a row of creepy kids, so maybe <laughs> that has something to do with it. Yeah, but, yes, maybe. Yeah. But, but that was certainly, but I think Mac Mac was was really uh, very very good here, uh, played by Clarence Delgado. Um, and he did a fantastic job. Obviously, no speaking lines because no. he actually didn't have to speak. No, um, but. But like even with no speaking lines, uh, probably one of the better actors in the uh, show movie. Yeah, I agree. And and but that's his face, his right. facial reaction. And before you get you know. to what you like least, because I I think I know what it is, I'll I'll mention what I liked most about it was that although the story was um, in many ways derivative, I thought it was actually kind of fun. I mean, it, it reminded me of a ghost-driven Final Destination in some ways. So I thought there was some a- aspects of it that was kind of fun. And uh, I thought the character development wasn't horrible, as, you know, Cedric started off as a total dick and mo- became moderately sympathetic by the time we got to the end. So, but you know... was that because he liked Lenny? Of course. Of course it's because he liked Lenny. But then maybe, it, you know, he if came he around. If he didn't like Lenny, would he have done those things? But Lenny might have made him come around. Either way, I, I thought that uh, uh, Danielle Padilla, who played Cedric, um, was very good. I thought that Lenny, uh, played by Catherine Bernardo, also pretty good. The rest of them kind of hit or miss, <laughs> I'd say. But um, yeah, that's not not so bad there. Now let's go to what you like the least. Uh, I mean, like, what can I say? The 
well, like I said, the uh, the production value was terrible. Um, a lot of the acting was a miss. Uh, I don't know. I just thought certain themes were a little unclear. I well, so it's, I, it's, it's it, a laundry it, list. Of well, reasons. listen, I mean, it was clearly um, a, a one trick pony. I mean, it was one story. Um, there was a few surprises in order to tie the story together, but I don't think there was any massive, massive surprises. Um, I do think that um, in, if you put it in context of other uh, films and horror movies from the Philippines, it probably is pretty much standard in terms of acting, I think in terms of special effects also. So I think we have a different perspective on that because we expect yes. much better special effects. I do agree. I, I think like maybe production, we do have a higher standard. Right. Um, because we've seen things with better production. Well, well of course. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the the problem. But I think but also acting, is acting. Well, acting is acting. That's true. But that, but and and obviously the thing I liked the least was the special effects and the blue screen. There was some blue screen there that was absolutely dreadful. And, and even and and the wire work too was the wire work was terrible. was pretty par- was terrible yeah. too. I mean, geez, Louise, got, like spend an extra minute to make sure he's not wobbling around while you're hanging in in space. Um, but anyway, so let's uh let's move on here. Uh, give us your uh, scarometer from one to ten. You know, I I really struggled with this because personally I didn't think it was scary. Right. Um, but I, I could see that there were uh, there there were like elements that could scare people. Sure. So I gave it a two point five. Okay. Oh wow, two point five out of ten. Yeah. You had to like split. You had to really split hairs there. I did. I split it. I split it. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, and just so I everyone knows, I gave it a little bump. Ten, 10 is uh, I peed my pants. One is am I watching the Powerpuff Girls? And I gave it a two. So I I, I agree. It was not that scary. Um, there I, was I, elements that could have been very there scary. There were creepy yeah. elements that in the right situation could be a little freaky to certain people uh, if they're sitting there watching it in the dark at night. But I, I think that no matter what perspective we watched it in, it wouldn't have been scary. No. Um, stars out of four, give us your stars. 1.5. 1.5. Yikes. Yeah. All right. Well, I give it a two because I, I started off not liking it, uh-huh. and by the end I actually thought it was a palatable movie, uh-huh. that I thought it was kind of a, a YA horror movie that – uh, clearly had low production value at some points, but uh-huh. was enjoyable enough that I wasn't hating myself for watching yeah, it. So I give it a two. Know, see, I think that's a big problem with me because, um, yeah, two. I would, I, I, if I gave it a two, I would say that I would, I think the same thing. I just, I don't. I always rate it on like, would I be able to watch this again? Yeah. And what reason would I not be able to watch this again? And yeah, it just wouldn't be a movie that I would watch again. No, I, I probably agree. And not because it's the acting's great, the story's great, but the subject is just something that I can't deal with. It's just, yeah. I would, I would actually say I that I, would I recommend it to somebody? And I would say put it at the bottom of your uh, list. But if you actually are a horror movie fan that happened to like international horror, then, you know, give it a shot. Yes, I agree. If you are a horror fan that likes international horror, I do agree with you. And, you know, because you have to watch a lot of it to And to we've really, seen some real stinkers right, that are like zeros. Good ones, <laughs> so. And they are. And that's why I think 1.5 is terrible, but not that terrible. Okay. Um, because, yeah, there are movies that we're just like, oh, give me a break. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Let's go ahead and move on then, everybody. Just so you know, I gave it a 2. Joanne gave it a 1.5, but that was Pag Pag Nine Lives. 
It sounds like something that has to do with cats. Though, yes, it? it does. Pag, Pag, yes. Nine Lives. Yes. It's like some cat named Pag Pag. Uh-huh. Nine Lives. Anyway, no, it is a horror movie, Pag Pag, Nine Lives. Uh, it is streaming now on Netflix. Yes, so Netflix. feel free to give it a sh- uh, take a look if you happen to be a horror movie fan who yeah. likes international cinema. Well, you know, and if you just want to give something different a try, I mean, just go in with it with realistic, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's an hour and 45, guys. Come yeah. on. All right. <laughs> let's hit the bell. All right, let's move on to the bets that we dare to make for AFC and NFC Conference Championship winners. We are getting close. Like I said, we're past pre- preseason week two. We're getting into preseason week three. And, and unlike, you know, in the very, very long past, there are only three preseason games. So we're just around the corner from actual football being played on the field. So we have a pretty good idea of how rosters are starting to shape up. So let's start with the AFC Championship winner predictions and what we did was we looked at, as of today, August 20th, what the uh, money lines were for each of the AFC teams to win the AFC championship game, and we picked two. We each picked two that we'd like to, to place bets on, and for different reasons, perhaps. So, you know, sometimes a sure thing, sometimes because we love the payout. But why don't you give us your two first? Okay, so let me just begin by saying the AFC has been battling it out with three major teams, which is the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, and the Cincinnati Bengals, right? right? I mean, these are the three most dominant teams right now in the AFC. Yes. And the AFC Conference. Yep. And, you know, I I really thought long and hard on what teams I thought were going to uh, take the championship this year. Sure. And... Originally, I wanted to pick the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah. who are at plus 550. Mm-hmm. But as some of you know, Joe Burrow had a leg injury during the preseason. Right. And they have been very coy about giving out any information about how serious it is, yeah. um, how long he's going to be out. There's like, uh, you know, head coach Zach Keller just been, has been very vague and coy about it yep. and for this reason i just don't know if i could pick them to win the conference but i guess with minus burrow they have no chance right but like i mean and granted even if burrow misses one or two games at the beginning of the season i mean they could if they make the postseason they could get there yeah absolutely. but but for some reason i you know just I, I'm gonna take them out, and I'm gonna, and I am gonna root for the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, okay. I, you know, every year I pick the Buffalo Bills because I really want them to take the conference okay. and make it to the Super Bowl. Right. I really do, and they always just fall a little bit short, which has been, I'm sure, super disappointing for the Buffalo Bills. And and, and but not not something they're not used to. Just right. Look at the last couple Super Bowls that they've managed to lose. They lost a lot in a row, so yes, <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. and It's not like disappointment isn't in the DNA for Buffalo. But, you know, it kind of has to get to you year after year oh, it sure that does. it happens. I'm sure it does. Ask the Bills Mafia. I'm sure it really gets to them. But, like, you know, the Buffalo Bills, they have um, the, they're the second best. Uh, in terms of odds. In terms of odds yep. for winning the uh, conference this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like last year, the Bills um, have a great defensive team based mm-hmm. on pro fantasy focus. Yep. Um, you know, I I just feel like, you know, they they still have the pieces to get there. Right. You just don't know if they can make it. Well, and I will say that I, I also picked the Buffalo Bills as one of my picks. And obviously Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, James Cook all returned. But they did add some serious um, pieces to the puzzle here. They added Dalton Kincaid, who they drafted in the first round out of Utah, the tight end. And he has been um, spectacular in college. And so far we've seen spectacular in the preseason. Uh, and just for those who didn't know, 
in his senior year. He caught 70 passes for 890 yards and eight touchdowns, and he was Utah's top receiving threat. Not top tight end, top receiving threat. Yeah, but, you know, but, like, receivers weren't, isn't what, like, Buffalo Bills were missing. No, I but, mean, they've always had good receivers. I think they were really lacking in their uh, run game. Well, that's the, well, so that has been problematic. So, and, and that's exactly what I'm, I'm getting to next is that, you know, obviously getting a great tight end, who not only is a great move tight end, but also a great blocking tight end, is a fantastic thing to have for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, there's no knock on, <laughs> on all, all Buffalo Bills tight ends, but I think Dalton Kincaid is on another level. And I also, and we also see him working really well with the Bills in the second preseason game. Uh, three of four targets for 45 yards against the Steelers. Josh Allen could not stop singing his praises, so clearly a good sign for the rookie. But the Bills also signed Connor McGovern at guard from the Cowboys and Damian Harris running back from the Patriots. Uh, to provide more protection for Allen and make the team more multidimensional while giving them a little more push on the ground. So I think that is a big step forward for that offense as well. So, you know, I agree with you. They've come close in the past. I think this might be the year they get over the hump. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping too. And who do you have as your second pick for the AFC side? I think this one's going to throw you for a loop. Okay. I pick the Baltimore Ravens. Whoa, okay. At plus 900. Ravens at plus 900. Yes, okay. they did, yeah. Right. So, um. So depending on what sports book you look at, they estimated the Ravens to win 11 games this season. Okay. And they have a 60% chance of getting to postseason. That is pretty good. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's healthy. He has a contract. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. Yep. to the roster. Sure did. And he's really matured a lot since he left the Giants. Right. And don't forget. Oh, yeah, he's, go ahead. He's really become a team player. And yep. I think that's going to be really helpful with their rookies, Zay Flowers, in the mix. Yes. Big, so, big moves. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, like, those that those two additions for Lamar Jackson, it's going to be really stellar because if you can't hit one, you could hit the other. Yep. And he has other, you know, wide receivers and tight ends. To, well, Mark to, Andrews, right, obviously. To <laughs> I mean, they're not the only ones. But, I mean, like, if you have people double, double coveraging, like, these guys, like, you have a whole open field. I, sure. mean, I, it's, it's, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how their offense opens up with this new setup. And, of course, J.K. Dobbins back and, yes. and, and, and healthy. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, it, when it comes to their defense, uh, unfortunately, it's kind of, you know, towards the bottom. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it, it, for them. But they do have some, like, uh, uh, younger players that they've drafted in 22, 21. Right. You know, they're, like, second, yeah. you know, second, first-year first, first year rookies, I and guess. Sophomores. Say, veterans? Sophomores. You call them veterans? No, first, no, second-year second, veterans? Well, I don't know. I mean, do you okay. call them sophomores? Is there any sophomores? Okay. I, I don't know the terminology. But they're young players that, you know, you could really see break out um, on their defense. And I think if that happens, that's going to really – that could shoot up their – defensive stock market yep. up to a reasonable position where, yeah, they will make it to the postseason. And if that happens, they could make make the uh, the conference champion. All right. So you got the Buffalo Bills at plus 450. You got the Baltimore Ravens at plus 900. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the Buffalo Bills as well at plus 450, but I have the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think I was thinking the same. So they're at plus 1500, yeah. by the way. And I think the, the way I thought about it when I picked two is the same way you did. I picked one that I had a, a, a better feeling that they were going to be able to win and get to the AFC Conference Championship and win it. But the other one I took as a, a good value 
because I felt like the money line was significant and was worth the risk. Well, yours is definitely more significant. <laughs> so. Well, plus 1500 and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and everybody uh, bear with me here, because Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Engram, all of them were kind of left for dead in one way or the other, all of them spectacular in their first season in Jacksonville, with all of them posting high, career highs in receptions and yards in 2022. And they developed, most importantly, a solid connection to former first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. And now they've added Calvin Ridley, who sat out 2022 due to a suspension, but had a huge 1,300-plus yard season in Atlanta in 2020. And he has a career 65% catch percentage. Plus, they drafted uh, offensive tackle Anton Harrison to give Lawrence more protection in order to find one of these plethora of targets there. And don't forget the ground game, because Travis Etienne, Enjoyed a breakout year to Jags last year as a former 2021 first-round pick. He came back from injury to become just the fifth running back in team history to rush for 1,000 yards in a season, and he didn't even start a game until week seven. And don't forget rookie Tank Bigsby drafted out of Auburn in the third round, who's been drawing rave reviews in the preseason with a proven ability to run between and through the tackles. And let's face it, the AFC South, it's not that scary right now. I mean, they're facing the rebuilding Texans and rebuilding Colts, perhaps past their prime Titans. It's not a lot of uh, roadblocks there for the Jags to make their division championship and maybe seed well for the playoffs. So I think the Jaguars at plus 1,500, a great bet to make. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about that is that, um, yeah, they, they, they have a great chance of winning their division. But once they go and face the other teams of the AFC, would they be able to hold their own? Well, I mean, they had – I mean, honestly, they they did have Kansas City in their sights. And, of course, let's – I mean, let's face it, Patrick Mahomes was injured for part of that. Uh, but that being said, it's not like they ever thought that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to blow them out. And I felt like they had a chance. And, and that was in their growing stage. And now they've added pieces. So I'm, I'm just saying. You think the veteran pieces are going to complement, like, the, the younger team? Oh, yeah. I think so. I mean, as long as Calvin Ridley stays on. We don't know anything about Calvin Ridley right now. I'm, I'm banking on him being somewhere between the 1,300-yard season in 2020 and the 900-yard season or the almost 900-yard season in 2019. If he's somewhere in between there, I think they have a really good shot. Yeah, I, you know, I just, I just don't know about – I mean, like, I get what you're saying, and, you know – Part of me thinks that they will eventually get there with this team. I don't know if it's this year, though. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like, I, they were hot and cold last season, and I think that's the big problem. Yeah. Like, they just – it wasn't even that, like, you know, they were just missing pieces because they had some really good players, and they had some really good games. But when it came to, you know, playing these top-end teams, they – yeah, it wasn't like they blew them out, but, like, at the same time, you, I don't know if I thought, like, oh, they have a chance to win. Well, I, either way, I think it's another year under the belt, and at plus 1,500, I'm willing to take the gamble. I just feel like there's a good chance there. And if any team has thrown growth, I feel like the Jaguars are, are trending in the right direction. Um, all right, let's hit the boxing bell on that. Let's talk about the NFC side of things. So why don't you start first with your two picks for NFC Conference champions? So this one, there's a lot of teams, I think that have the potential, but um, I picked two. My first one is the San Francisco 49ers at plus 400. Plus 400. That probably is a pretty obvious one because they're a second in their division. Yep, the second highest uh, odds Uh, for the NFC in their division. And, you know, the 49ers are looking for continuation of 2022. uh, uh, Last year where Brock Purdy uh, 
ended. He looks like they said he's just continuing on there. He's, they said that, you know, during the off season, he's been uh, practicing a lot. And, and rehabbing, and, obviously. And rehabbing. But, like, they said that they've seen a lot of growth. I don't know if that's true. I mean. Well, he looked great last year. So, <laughs> I mean, like, we'll see what happens. But You know, we could only take what, you know, like, they tell, tell us with a great assault. Right. So, um, but, yeah, but not only does, you know, is a Brock Purdy uh, do to start uh, for the 49ers, mm-hmm. but their defense is ranked number two this year. Okay. It's, I mean, like. Well, there were two last year. Yes, too. and no wonder because like if and it, and this is an if if Nick Bosa could stay healthy, right? I mean, there's just no stopping them. He yep. was awarded the Defensive Player of the Year last year, so like well yeah, yep. yeah. So so in off season they also added um, Javon Hargrave, right, from the Eagles who were number one. Yeah, so from that's the Eagles who were number one. Right. Yes, and on offense they still have Christian McCaffrey, they have George Kittle, they have Brandon Ayuk that had eight touchdowns yep. and the thousand and fifteen yard. I mean, come on, like. They still have their weapons there, and now they have, like, Brock Purdy to start them off. I'm thinking they're looking pretty good to win that conference. And their back uh, backup is Trey Lance, uh, you know. So right. if you think about that, it's kind of crazy. Um, what, a, what a crazy – how that all worked out, right? Yeah. I mean, a first-round pick uh, being succeeded by Mr. Irrelevant. But anyway, go ahead. Who I else? love that. Yeah, I, I love, love that, that too. I Great story. Um, who do you got other than the 49ers? So my second pick um, is the Chicago Bears. Okay. At uh, plus 3,000, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of excitement with the Bears this year. I don't know if it's because of um, it's how Justin Fields came off preseason yeah. and his, you know, progression. I don't know if it's an addition of DJ Moore. Yeah. I don't know if it's because, you know, they have another supposed rookie receiver, you know, um, Tyler Scott. Uh, yeah, or maybe it's just like your excitement because I know you love the Bears. <laughs> right. But there is just something about the Bears this year that I really like. And as you know, like during our mock fantasy draft, yes. I picked Justin Fields and DJ Moore for my team. You did. And during their uh, preseason game, uh, they were – like I don't think anyone could speak badly about how they did on the field. Well, I they mean, had they it was def- one, it was one target, one, one, one catch, and it was 62 yards and a touchdown. So, like, you know. I mean, like, Everyone says like when you watch them at practice, not even not even the preseason game, yeah. but like everyone was like the, the connection that these two have, the growth that Justin Fields has gone through yes. over the off season. Right. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's almost a, a team like you know you just want to root for. Yeah. Um, if your team can't win, right. like okay, if my team's not gonna win, let's have. The Bears win. Right. The, the, and, and keep in mind, the team that was last in all the NFL last year. So this is quite the rebound. And uh, obviously, I have two picks as well, but my second pick is also the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, and it, they've come a long way since uh, that time when they were the last place team in the NFL. Uh, and getting that first overall draft pick really was uh, key because they converted that into a King's Ransom, including the aforementioned DJ Moore. And we've seen in that first preseason game, and you alluded to it earlier, Justin Fields complete three or three passes for 129 yards and two touchdowns. That sounds ridiculous, but that's because DJ Moore and Khalil Herbert had really long touchdowns, mostly from yards after the catch. And that's amazing because now you're looking at a starting receiver set of DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, and Cole Komet. Uh, And they drafted Darnell Wright 
and the first round to help protect Fields this season. You know, the offense seems like they're ready to go. And Justin Fields, another year of learning. And on defense, they signed Tremaine Edmonds away from the Bills, TJ Edwards away from the Eagles, mm-hmm. and they drafted Gravon Dexter and Tyreek Stevenson in the second round. They put, the, put themselves in a position to rediscover, and perhaps to rediscover, the Monsters of the Midway. And on top yeah. of all that, Aaron Rodgers has finally left the Packers, thank goodness. And Adam Thielen has left the Vikings. Dalvin Cook was released by the Vikings. So the only the upstart Lions look like real contenders for the NFC North crown, in my yeah. opinion. And they have Jared Goff. as their And they have Jared Goff, right. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, there may be a route here. And, and quite frankly, at plus 3,000, I just love that. Payout. Yeah, I think that is a good payout. So let me go back into the beginning here, because my other pick is the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the uh, most favored team, according to the money line, to win the NFC championship. Uh, listen, there's not much to talk about here. All the major parts of the NFC Conference champ Eagles have returned. Jalen, all, most of them, I shouldn't say all, but most of the major parts have. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, they're all there. Uh, they got rid of Miles Sanders, but they added DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny to an already effective Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. And the Eagles did lose in free agency, um, as we mentioned, Devon, Hargrave and uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Marcus Epps, T.J. Edwards, Kazir White. But they added some huge pieces in Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in the draft. And the NFC East should remain challenging because they – you know, we'll be playing the Cowboys and the Giants look really good and even the Commanders. Uh, but I don't see the Eagles missing the playoffs or missing home field advantage in at least the early part of the playoffs. They are just too dynamic on offense. And they did not – and the NFL did nothing to say that you can't sneak that one yard. The, the, the Reggie Bush push, or I should go the Jalen Hurts push, whatever you want to call it, is an automatic first down on fourth and one. So I, I really do think the Eagles have all the right pieces here. And at plus 330, uh, I'd put my money on them to win the NFC Conference Championship. But if you want some better payout – I'm all in on the Bears at plus 3,000. Yeah, you know how I feel. Like, I, I don't want the Eagles there this year. Of course not. And I don't want <laughs> Kansas City there this year. Sure, right. I love seeing new teams in the Super Bowl. Sure. Because we've seen the old song and dance yep. already. Yep. So some new teams would be great. I totally agree. I totally agree. And with that... Let's hit the air horn on the show. We've made it to the very end. We went a little bit of overtime for you folks. That's because we care about you, and we want to give you all this fantastic information. Joanne, why don't you go ahead and give us your uh, social media so people can follow. It's at Kung Fu for you on X now. No longer Twitter. (laughs) Like, that's the worst thing ever. I mean, it's like, X, really? Come on. I mean, can I even say that I tweeted anymore? No, you can't. I I just said I posted. What did they say? Is it a I, I, post? Did I, did right? I, I mean, it, it says, post. It says post and repost. Yeah, post and repost. So right. I can't, I can't, I mean, it's, that's it's no longer tweeted. That is just not yeah. catchy, guys. Yeah. That is not catchy. Anyway, so uh, you but can. You still have the bird. Oh, yeah, true. They still have the bird. <laughs> but that, I didn't put that there. That was done by uh, Blog Talk Radio. Oh, I see. So yeah. they got a deal with the lawsuit. They got a Elon Musk, don't sue me. Sue blog talk radio anyway um again you can find me on twitter at fb garbage time and you can find me on facebook at the football garbage time page as usual thank you for listening and wasting time with us until next time enjoy those horror movie scares and make those betting dares and then enjoy your nfl week (laughs) good luck everyone